0: All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. All right, it's decriminalization day in B.C. It kicks in today. So possession of small amounts of these hard drugs, heroin, cocaine, fentanyl, crystal meth, ecstasy. Mm -hmm. You can possess up to two and a half grams of these drugs will not be charged criminally, police will not seize the drugs, and it coincides with the release today of new overdose death numbers last year, right? Yeah,
1: another grim release from Chief Coroner Lisa LaPointe today. Almost 2,300 people died from toxic drugs last year, second highest ever uh, on a year basis. And again, a reminder, she puts the statistics out, this is not a downtown east side problem. Mm -hmm. This is right across the province. In fact, the death statistical proportionate deaths are actually up in the northern part of the province in the interior and Vancouver Island. So again, it's not just downtown East Side, it reaches into all parts of society and geography.
0: Right. So, you know, for people who think, well, these are hardcore addicts who are living in alleys in the downtown East Side, I mean obviously there's a death toll there, but you know, these are people who are, you know, in all walks of life are experimenting with these drugs and trying them.
1: Yeah, we've all had friends and coworkers workers um. um, die from drug overdoses and they're not seen as hardcore drug users. And they've been using on their own many so what one of the hopeful acts Takeaways from today's shift is fewer people using drugs alone, and therefore dying alone and not having someone. Yeah, to this help. is
0: the the stigma argument, mm-hmm. right? That if you if you decriminalize possession of these drugs, you reduce the stigma of drug use, and that is supposed to what people will come out to their friends and family and say, "I'm using these uh, drugs mean, and I want to get help." This, mean,
1: is, this is, doesn't solve the problem, uh, obviously overnight. There's also the issue, even if you're using drugs in the open. There's still the issue of the toxic drug supply. Yeah, you know, and that's the other aspect here. How do you find a safe drug supply? And no one's come up with that answer. Well,
0: that's what we've been told. Is the reason people are dying is because of this toxic supply of illegal drugs? Mm -hmm. Now you're going to decriminalize possession of these drugs that are killing people. Mm -hmm. How is this supposed to help? Well, we'll see. It's a (laughs) three-year. It's a three-year pilot project. Um, But the status
1: quo wasn't working. I don't think anyone could back that. That that. just keep going the way we've been going so something new had to be tried
0: okay i spoke to pierre Polyev about it a mm-hmm. short time ago here the federal conservative leader i asked what he thought about decriminalization in bc kicking in today here's what he had to say to me a short time ago i'll get your thoughts
1: hard drugs have largely been decriminalized in vancouver now for five six years that's when the federal liberal government and the provincial
2: ndp and the then ndp mayor basically told the cops don't enforce the law if you find
1: some someone with fentanyl heroin Uh, or other hard drugs just let them go and what has happened well take a a, a walk down the east side
0: what do you think do you think he's got a point no it's a lot more to the east side than
1: than you know not decriminalizing this and again he misses the point this is not a downtown east side issue this is a province-wide issue it's in Kamloops downtown Kamloops Kelowna Victoria Nanaimo Prince Rupert, Prince George, It's it, the problem is everywhere. It's not just the downtown east side. If
0: you listen to the police, though, well, at least certainly the Vancouver Police Department will say that they had already effectively decriminalized drug possession already. That mm-hmm. they, they were not arresting people for small amounts of That's drugs. That's Vancouver. Well, you, people were being charged with possession of small amounts in, other, in small-town B.C.? mm mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, this wasn't. uh,
1: This is Vancouver Police seem to have a different policy than RCMP across the province. Again, this is not a downtown east side problem. It's in suburbia. It's kids dying. I've known three kids under the age of thirty who died of of drug overdoses, and they're not seen as drug users. They just, you know, well, what actually died of a drug overdose? Didn't know he was using drugs.
0: Let me play another clip of Polyev here. He was quite outspoken on this with me this morning. So here's Polyev again on uh, drug decriminalization. Have a listen to this.
1: The NDP liberal
2: approach of easy drugs available to everywhere with no law enforcement has led to a 300% increase in overdose deaths. Neighboring Alberta has taken the opposite approach and they've cut overdoses in half. Let's go with what works. Let's give people the hope of a drug-free life.
0: Well, you get an argument from some uh, some experts and officials who would say that the numbers next door in Alberta have been spun and it's really not that much better in Alberta than, than no, here.
1: I, I don't think anyone could argue that anything's working. I yeah. don't see this idea that something's working. It's not working. Yeah. And people are dying in all provinces. And I think, uh, again, the whole prohibition model has proven to be a failure when it comes to to drugs and something new has to be tried. Whether today's announcement is going to make a big difference in the drug numbers, I don't think anyone actually knows the answer to that.
0: Well, what we need are some outcomes and some clear measurements of how this program is going to work. And the federal minister was asked about that yesterday. What kind of data now will be shared with the public? And she said there will be a dashboard, an online dashboard that's created. That will report out quarterly in BC and it will do things like on arrests, uh, people who have transitioned into treatment and recovery, uh, how many times police have stopped people with drugs. Police now are, are being asked to give out a resource information card if they see someone with, if well, they catch the data, someone with drugs, think, to, to, treat the, to transition them into treatment if they want it.
1: But the data that will speak the highest and the loudest will be the deaths right. that Lisa LaPointe, right. our chief coroner, reports every month. Yeah. That comes out regularly, it's been coming out every year. Uh, in the six years we've been in, the, in this state of emergency, and that will continue to come out. And that's the statistic I think a lot of people are going to So look the
0: at. hope is that the death count will slow down. Hopefully. As a result of this. Hopefully.
1: Yeah. What we'll about see.
0: safe supply? Is that next?
1: Well, that, I think that's going to be a, a bigger challenge, and that's, a, I think, a little more politically fraught than, than decriminalization. I think people can get their heads around decriminalization. Coming up with supplying people with safe supply of drugs, that might be a harder sell to some people. Yeah. And again, I don't think anyone's got the clear answer and method on
0: how to do okay. that. Okay. Do you think this becomes a political issue now? I mean, Paulie, speaking out so forcefully on that, I thought, does, does this uh, become I a, is, is it a vote driver for people, do you think? I, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, this has been around for years. Yeah. Uh, this, this We've been in this state of emergency
0: for five or six years now. I don't think it's had an impact on elections. Okay. Get set to call me on that. I'm interested in what you what you think about what you heard from Polly there earlier and on decriminalization day. Uh, we also talked earlier in the show, Keith, about the eternal fight here over policing in the city of Surrey. Mm. So you've got the provincial government now saying we need more time, we need more information before we make this call. Will you Can, you, can Surrey keep the RCMP or continue this transition to a local police force? Brenda Locke, the mayor... Warning that this will be super expensive if they keep going down this road of this new independent local police force, and she warned it could it could result in a 55 percent property tax increase.
1: Twelve hundred dollars per household, seventy seven hundred dollars per business.
0: You buying that?
1: I don't know. You know and I, I mean, don't the think-
0: opposition, her opponents there on Surrey City Council, are saying this is not true.
1: Well, and I don't think she can hang if she were to her majority were to pass that. I don't think she can hang that on the provincial government. The voters will hang that on her. I mean, mayors who pass property tax increases have a tough time blaming it on other levels of government.
0: Oh, that would be an interesting case to put in front of the voters of Surrey. Oh, I, If she I whacks in with a huge property tax increase I think like her that.
1: opponents would have a field day with that. Oh. Any mayor brings in a 55% tax increase is going to pay for it
0: big time come here, the next election. Here's what she had to say. Let's listen to Brenda Locke here. Have a listen to this.
2: What I
1: told him, though, is rather than having the RCMP, the City of Surrey and the Surrey Police Service all giving him separate uh, information, it would be much more appropriate if we all got around the table and talked about it and we can talk with his staff and fill in those gaps.
0: Okay, he's referring to the Solicitor General, Mike Farnworth. Why can't we all just get along here, sit yeah. down and work this out? A little late in the game to play that card, um, but
1: I guess there will be sit-down meetings, you know, I'm, I'm sure the province's people, ministry people, will sit down with Brenda Locke and her team and probably go over some of the figures along with uh, Chief Lipinski and his team oh. at Surrey Police because, again, they've got disputing contradictory figures on a number of levels and the province wants to see who's who's right.
0: Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Mike and Vernon. Hi, Mike. Go ahead.
2: Morning, guys. A couple of points here uh, regarding this de- decriminalization. I was watching the news last night, and the I think it was the health minister was saying that they're going to put, and the operator word going to put, uh, treatment in place, they're going to open up more beds, they're going to, to do more to help drug addicts. Well, why wouldn't you have that all in place before you decriminalize and get it going? It seems kind of backwards. But the thing that often, it gets, as it gets compared to Portugal decriminalizing, But in Portugal, the policy was accompanied by an aggressive regime of civil penalties, and it included drug confiscation, uh, appearance before a commission, I believe it was called the dissuasion of drug addiction, and it could order mandatory treatment. But at the same time, they put a lot of resources into tracking down and prosecuting drug dealers to get the supply off the street. Mm -hmm. The whole package has to be there. It can't be a partial package or, or a symbolic move like this is. They need to have a full treatment
1: plan. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so that's one of the most heard criticisms is we don't yeah. have enough treatment right. centers or beds, yeah. and that's been an issue for even predates the, the state of emergency right. crisis, and that will continue to be an issue going ahead. I don't think you can create as many beds as fast as possible to meet what's required out there. When you've got 2,300 people dying in one year, that's just a fraction of the number of people actually use drugs. Mm-hmm. Those are just the deaths. Yeah. Um, so treatment centers, yeah. I mean, Portugal went all in on a, on a multifaceted plan here. It wasn't just decriminalization. The caller's right. There was a huge amount of, of investment into treatment. Yeah. And that's the other thing that's going to have to happen here.
0: Yeah. Let's go to Garth on the line in Ladner. Hi, Garth. Go ahead.
2: I think the drug dealers are going to love this because now their runners aren't going to get their drugs taken away. And or bust it, so they'll just be selling more drugs um, with lower risk and, and well wouldn't they have no, no. if you're a drug
0: if if you're a drug runner you're, working you're for limited. a dealer, wouldn't you have more than two point five grams of drugs on you? No, what they do
2: is they use the drug addicts and they just give them um, a little bit, they go and deliver it, they come back, they just go back and forth, and if they lose the drugs, they shave their heads and beat them up or whatever. So how do, how do you
0: how do you know how do you know like that?
2: that? That was on the news like three years ago. The cops used to go on the roof in East Hastings to try and find the the guys that are giving the drug addicts the um, the drugs. It was on okay. Global mm-hmm. like five years okay.
0: ago. Okay, okay, Garth, thank you.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure that's going to be the biggest outcome of this. Is suddenly increasing the amount of drugs out there. But, um, again, this is a new experiment. As as you mentioned, Carolyn Bennett, the federal minister, says a lot of data is going to be collected here to see how this is working. And we'll see how many arrests are made, how many how many encounters there are with police, and whether the amount of people actually dispensing drugs goes up or not.
0: A lot of supporters of decriminalization, guys like former Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart, for example, say that the limits are too low, and you should allow people to yeah. possess even higher amounts of drugs. Yeah. Because you know, because I've heard from drug users who've emailed email me and said, "This is not <laughs> this is not enough. We need to possess more because sometimes drug dealers will they'll buy in bulk and then split <laughs> up the drugs among themselves." Well, again, it's so a, how is that going to help? It's
1: an experiment. It's going to be interesting. This dashboard the federal minister talks about it is going yeah. to be interesting yeah. to see this these statistics that are com- compiled over the next three years whether it's going to have the desired impact or not. Yeah. Al in Surrey, hi, Al, go ahead.
2: A few comments. First of all, Portland uh, has tried this out, and supposedly the uh, drug addicts haven't increased, but the deaths have. So we're going to become the fi- the killing town of drug addicts in Vancouver. The other thing is, now if you can carry the drugs and shoot them up, that means people can shoot them up in parks, in malls, in everywhere. So what you see no. on the street in Surrey you will or are in Vancouver you'll see all over
0: well the police have, oh, ar- have already said that yeah the police have already said they're not going to allow, you know you won't be able to shoot up suddenly no. in a in a you know a school playground <laughs> and these are not all needle injected drugs this is the thing
1: people have to get their heads around this is not a stereotype uh situation of a rub- drug addict on the streets of downtown east side these are suburban kids taking a pill uh or in in the interior, in the north, you know, on Vancouver Island. It, again, don't say it's a Vancouver problem, and it's not necessarily shooting up. It's a. It can be a very
0: benign activity that results in people dying. Susan in north Vancouver. Hi, Susan. Go ahead.
2: Hi. Uh, just quickly, I don't buy what Pierre Polly has, has to say, really. When it comes to drugs, fentanyl, um, and the downtown east side, there has been a lot of opportunity for both the Conservatives and the Liberals to do something about mental illness. Start at yeah. the beginning. Start helping mm-hmm. those people. I haven't seen a hell of a lot of that.
1: Mm. Well, mental health, I mean, it's interesting. Circle back to David Eby's pledge to get rid of that downtown east side encampment. We haven't seen anything yet. He's still in the midst of his 100 days of action. I think we're in the second half of it now. And, you know, he set the bar pretty high here with some expectations that he's going to solve a lot of problems. We'll see.
0: The other thing about Polyev, and I thought the listener makes a good point there, is that he's talking about, well, no, let's not do this decrim thing. Let's We actually have to massively expand treatment and recovery and detox. Well, that's expensive. I mean, this is a guy who's talking about cutting spending mm-hmm. by the federal government and cutting taxes. Are you, are you telling me that you are you're now going to promise to make this massive public injection of spending on treatment beds and recovery beds? Yeah. I mean, if he does, okay, we'll see, but... Yeah, this is not this, is, this is
1: not a five million dollar investment. This is yeah. a multi million dollar investment that is required here.
0: Jim and Surrey. Jim, you got thirty seconds.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. My taxes last year in Surrey that I paid were four thousand one hundred and thirty three dollars. That's what I paid, wow. just taxes. Now if that's going up fifty five percent, that's a kick in uh, you know where. Uh, yeah. That would really, that would seriously harm most people in Surrey. Yeah. That kind of a tax increase, that's brutal.
1: And that's why I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Brenda Locke and her council would be able to hang this on another level of government. It would be directly hit their own residents, and I think the residents would not blame the provincial government or the federal government for this. They would blame Surrey City Council, which is I'd be very surprised if it happens.